Yes. <laughs> so did you have anything on your mind that you wanted to share? Um, well, you know, as it happens, I have a patient who has, who has a snapping hip. And although it is not painful, it is quite significant. Um, and um, he was asking me about it, and I uh, was uh, considering the... Um, the data on snapping hips and you know how to treat them practically many times i see that um uh, there is uh, an emphasis on strengthening the hip flexors to cure snapping hip but one I thing let me ask uh just for context like how old is this person oh this gentleman is in his early Maybe he's in his late thirties, early forties, and okay. he's very active. And very active. And you said, I think you said it, but not asymptomatic hip. Just the no, fact it that is it's disturbing him, but it is not yet painful. Um, okay. But it is significant. I mean, you can hear it and you can palpate it, and it is yeah. one of those inter. Um, ex it is one of those external to the hip, but internal to the pelvis. So it is a true snapping hip of the iliopsoas complex, which um, there is a video, an ultrasound video by uh, Levine, um, uh, who has shown the slippage of the psoas tendon um, uh, of the iliacus uh, muscle belly on the extension of the hip, you know, from flexion to extension. Oh, wow. So uh, this is a fascinating video and finally confirms the moment that the the interposed iliacus muscle belly, medial portion of the iliacus slides away and the psoas snaps back onto the superior board. It actually is a mechanical snapping it of is the Oh, yeah. that it is, yes. I mean, you the bone going right that. back into place. It cracks and we put it back in place. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, there are not true snapping syndromes which happen within the articular joint itself. It could be something to do with cartilage, the labrum, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the, and then, of course, you can have snapping hip of the IT band, the glute max, TFL complex over the trochanter, and then you can have this one along the superior ramus of the pubis. So um, the idea then is to really find out, again, you have a, um, a, failure to perform a movement without uh, some kind of um, perception of pathology. So you are, the moving or the hip flexion causes something that is considered aberrant. So then that is the failure to perform. So the first thing then again was to collect data around this failure. Um, you had to find out what were the components of the snapping hip uh, uh, presentation. And sometimes that involves a looking at the range of motion. Is the hip flex itself tight? Is it hypertonic? 
um, is it um, is the cause of this tightness and hypertonicity local to the hip flexor complex, or is it being caused or driven by something with the lumbar spine, or was there an accident that caused uh, the the muscle to become hypertonic in itself? So these are really the questions that start to uh, pop up. Is there something else? For example, um, if you have weakness in other flexors along that chain, for example, into the leg or so, the psoas might start helping out and then sure. becomes a hypertonic, shortened, you get a contracture and it starts to snap. Or you're sitting for longer periods than you were before, and therefore you're not stretching yourself out. You're using the psoas as a stabilizer for long periods, especially, for example, if you're leaning back in a chair, but you have to be forward to work on a computer that can turn on the hip flexors as stabilizers for long periods of time. So the question was then, what was driving this? So you have to rule out and treat anything that might be driving the hypertonicity or the contracture of the muscle or the weakness. So the weakness may cause it to become hypertonic and tight. So um, having uh, you look at that and you start to treat these, you gather the data uh, the baseline data, which is the mm -hmm. physiological uh, baseline, and then you check the lumbar spine. Which, I mean, just for me to just to say it for everyone, but when we talk about the physiological baseline, in addition to just gathering range of motion of lumbar spine, but it's also mm -hmm. range of motion of the hip complex um, or um, muscle regional muscle testing of the lower That's extremity right. palpatory yes. signs whether it's a nociceptive kind of screen or just palpation for tender points of the entire lower quarter not just simply That's the right. local region of the hip itself That's right because you need to have enough data to be able to detect a change any subtle change from the provocation of the lumbar spine or um, from the foot, etc. You really do not know what is driving this change in the hip flexor complex. Um, right. It could even be something like a chronic gluteal inhibition due to something. You stub your toe, you stop using your, your glute max, the hip flexors dominate neurologically the hip and slowly you start to get a snapping hip. So it could be any of these kind of things. Um, or even uh, another patient who had torn his uh, plantar fascia then started to have some pain around the TFL. And treating the TFL alone is not going to be useful because the cause is the foot. And unless you can restore pain-free function of the foot and weight-bearing, you are going to have some kind of chain collapse and imbalance of the muscles around the proximal uh, joints. It so, is funny, you, you, sorry to cut you off, it is funny you describing the, those scenarios because 
you know, you're, you said my patient comes in, he's got snapping hip. Um, and then you start to, to describe what can be causing snapping hip, whether it's gluteal inhibition or mm-hmm. chronic overuse, hypertonicity, mm-hmm. shortness. And I know that you're not necessarily, you know, that's not ultimately how you're thinking about and treating it, but it is, that's kind of the standard way to think about it and treat it, which, which would be, okay, so you have a snapping hip. Well, maybe it's tight. Let me look and see if it's, oh, it's tight. Okay, well, I'll stretch it. Uh, uh, let me let me palpate it. it hurts well let me stick a dry needle in it uh, mm-hmm. uh or it's weak okay well let me strengthen your 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 hip and mm-hmm. none of that even if you were to be able to make that immediate change of i rubbed it it was it was painful i stick the dry needle in it i rub it again it's not painful that doesn't tell you anything, doesn't tell you why it was painful, doesn't tell you if that dry needling was truly effective. Uh, and similarly, you know, you can't go from the, I mean, it's as simple as you can't go from the, present, the presenting symptom and try to work your way back. You can collect a bunch of information about the symptom, but then, like you said, you once you have all the information, now you start provoking the most proximal structure, the lumbar spine. Yes. And yes. then you see how the provocation makes global changes. And mm-hmm. now you have a rational way, an effective way to actually go about getting rid of things that don't really need to be overtly treated and honing in on what the actual true cause of this syndrome or the symptom is that's presenting that's right i just wanted to say because i mean that's what my mind thought of you started to say those things i was like okay yeah i would check i would check the length and then i would check i would palpate it and but then it starts to lead you down the rabbit hole then i would treat that thing and it's no 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 you don't want to treat that thing right then and there you have to revert back to the to the you know to our framework of if you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more like it, then please like this video and subscribe to our channel. You can also stay up to date on our latest seminars on our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, at IMTR Seminars.